Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hey, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. We are continuing our conversations with our Finnovate Fall Best of Show winners. And joining me today, we have Don Schaefer, co-founder and chief evangelist of Quillo. Don, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. My pleasure, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. So as you've heard over the last couple of weeks, all of the demo videos from Finnovate Fall are available at Finnovate.com. If you want to see what Quillo demoed up there, you can go uh, check out their full video there. But Don, for anybody who wasn't able to catch your demo, can you start with just a quick introduction of yourself and, and what Quillo is all about? Sure. Uh, well, I'm, I'm, uh, this is my fifth company in the space. The last company is called Casasa, which has over, you know, there's been over a thousand banks and credit unions using the Casasa products. And I tried to retire. <laughs> and then I met Boris. Boris is my co-founder. And the key that I want everybody to know is, is Boris, our team of engineers have been building, uh, has been building fintech for Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. And so we teamed up two years ago when we realized we looked in the market. You think about everybody here, if you go back two years ago, Buy Now Paletta was making all the news. Klarna had been in the United States and had 12 million customers. Amex and Chase and Citibank had all started launching installment loans for people who carried those credit cards. So Boris now decided, you know, we need to build a platform so all the community banks and credit unions can compete. So that's how we got started. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, and again, I would encourage anybody to watch the demo because it is a really interesting product. Now, you started out your demo with this line, Quillo will forever transform how loans are funded, which is a really bold statement. I think you actually backed it up really nicely with your seven minutes up on stage. But before we can really get into anything else, I think it's worth you know, just kind of talking through the platform a little bit. Let's start by talking through, you know, where did the idea come from? How did Quillo come to be? Well, it's, it's that is that time looking at what was going on in September of 2020. So we we left the week in Montana thinking about we need to build a platform that would that would enable a bank or a credit union to provide all of their customers a way to get a loan quickly. And so with Quillo, we've timed it over and over and over. If you're already a customer of a bank or a member of a credit union, you can get your phone and apply go through approval and get funded, have the money show up in your debit card in less than 70 seconds. And these are loans up to $50,000, They're all unsecured personal loans. So when they, it, it literally changed, it, the thing we've been trying to help everybody understand, Greg, is banks and credit unions, there's 9,000 of them out there. I'm talking about the community banks and credit unions, not the giants. They're really struggling getting millennials and Gen Zs because those people aren't going to a bank and opening an account. They're doing Venmo and PayPal. So one of our driving reasons was we have to help these banks and credit unions have a digital platform where anybody can pick up their phone and get a loan and not have to worry about going into the branch and signing a document. So it's all digital. So that's how it all got started. Yeah. And then so talk to me about the the kind of big problem that with community banks and sort of the funding limits that a lot of them have in place on their loans, because I know that's a really crucial piece as well. And you, we were talking a couple of stories of, of people who had actually been approved for loans, but ended up not taking them because they weren't for enough money. Can you talk through kind of that that side of things a little bit as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we started in January showing us the banks and credit unions. We have 42 clients and we launched our first two in May. And this is this was so that's an eye opener and it'll help everybody understand. The first two banks, we had more people 
that were applying and getting approved, but they weren't taking the loans. And so we we asked, uh, uh, well, Greg Olendorf, he's the CEO of, of, of First CBT in Beecher, Illinois, said, Greg, look at the names of these people. Do you know any of them? And he said, yeah. I mean, well, how about calling them up? Let's find out why they didn't take the loan. So this is going to answer your question. First guy he called, that he got. He said, well, we got your email about paying off our credit card debt. We thought that's a good idea. We'll apply for the loan. And we got approved. And Greg said, well, why didn't you take it? He said, well, because you were only going to give us $5,000 and we needed seven. Okay. Now, we, we, we showed Greg Ollendorf, the CEO, said, let's go into the system. And the system showed where that individual applicant, customer of the bank, had been approved to borrow $9,900. However, the bank, the community bank said, well, we're not going to loan anybody more than five grand in, in these kind of situations. Okay. Next, next one. This will all bring it together. Next phone call he made was to a gentleman who got the email about remodeling their kitchen. And he and his wife, they went online, went to the bank's website, they applied for the loan, and they got approved. And Greg said, why didn't you take it? And the, the, the borrower said, well, it was only for $15,000, and you can't remodel a kitchen for fifteen grand." And, and Greg Olander said, well, how much are you looking for? He said, we're looking for $38,000. So great, come on in the bank. We'll fix you right up, because he knows them. And yeah. I praise God that the borrower said, gosh, Greg, I'm sorry, it's too late. We went online and we got our money elsewhere, which is exactly what we're trying to get the CEOs of banks and credit to understand. Your customers are not coming to you anymore. They're going online and getting these loans. So I'm saying all that because it was kind of like, okay, Houston, we have a problem here. Our banks and credit unions, they're, they're really risk adverse on unsecured personal loans. I mean, they don't want to loan more than 10, 15, maybe $25,000 to anybody. However, as inflation's going up, there's if you if you want to get implants, teeth, they're over $25,000. Any kind of remodeling job is going to cost you probably 30, 40, 50,000. So what the reality is our our banks and credit unions have these limits that they've set. It doesn't matter how good the credit risk is. They're not willing to loan more than you know, ten, fifteen, or twenty-five thousand dollars to any one person. So I know it's a long answer, but hopefully I'll, I'll keep it, edgy, you know, edgy here. What we decided, we said, okay, we have to solve this problem. Otherwise, the consumers that need the money are not going to be able to get it from their community banks and credit unions. So they're going to have to go to the fintech world. So what we did, our engineering team, Greg, is is in ten time zones. These guys have been working together ten and fifteen years building these other fintech platforms for the big banks. And so Boris, my co-founder, said, what country can we all get to immediately? Where can they all get a visa? It happened to be Turkey. So one week after this discussion in June, they met in Istanbul, spent a week locked in a hotel with whiteboards. And we're talking about figuring out how we could pull this off. And so that's how it happened. And we're only 60 days out now from turning it on with some of our banks and credit unions to do a syndication so I should shut up and let you ask me before I'm, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, this is this is why we love doing this kind of podcast. Get a sense to you know, the story behind the technology, so to speak. So, you know, I think the the idea of a syndicated loan, or I guess a partially syndicated loan, is something that you know probably most people haven't heard of before. It was something that I hadn't heard of before until I started talking to you all in preparation for the show. 
And um, so, so let's let's spend some time talking through that side of it because I think you know here's where sort of the magic happens. Where what exactly yeah. when, when a customer who needs a forty thousand dollar loan gets approved by their financial institution for let's say fifteen, here's where Quillo steps in. Now, now, what exactly do you guys do to help make it so that that customer ends up walking away with the amount of money that they actually need and not you know as you were talking about turning to a different source, somebody external to their primary financial institution to go get their needs met. Yeah, thank you for asking it and helping me get some clarity. <laughs> the, this is the magic, and it had never happened before. So what happens now, because everything's digital, when the, the applicant, when they submit their app, they got their phone, they've applied for the app, it takes, you know, seconds to do that. When it hits our system, it goes to the underwriting, because it's a full underwriting. It's a soft mm-hmm. pull, so it doesn't affect their score when they apply. And if they take the loan, it's a hard hit. But just to apply, it doesn't affect their score. So when that application hits the the Quillo platform and goes through the underwriting process, simultaneously, it's looking at what's the maximum amount of money this lender is willing to do. So in your example you just gave us, let's say the borrower was seeking $40,000 to remodel the kitchen. And let's say that person is approved for that amount of money, but the system sees that that bank is only willing to loan fifteen. dollars what happens when we're $25,000 short? It takes about two and a half seconds for the Quillo platform to go into the other lenders in our network. Each lender that wants to participate has their own credit box. So every lender, no matter where they're in the country, they, they put into the system, they're willing to loan money to, to people that fit this particular credit profile. And so in about two and a half seconds extra, it, it, it finds the other institutions in the network it fills up the other $25,000. So the consumer on their phone, they're looking at it, they're going, oh my gosh, I got approved. And they have no idea, Greg, they have no idea there were other lenders involved in making that loan happen. They think that it was their bank or their credit union. They think they did the whole thing. And the other thing is those other lenders that participated, they don't have any PII. They don't have any personal information on the borrower so the original bank or credit doesn't have to worry about that other lenders cross-selling them. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on compliance to be sure that we could do it this way. And so the participating lenders, they just have to have the credit data to show regulators, which we have all that for them. But this changes everything. I mean, just give me a, a couple of quick examples. What, you're, what we have now, because people are getting, because of the economy especially, Things are getting shaky. We have banks and credit unions that are starting to lower the amounts of money they're willing to loan. This is nationwide. Everybody's tightening up, you know, their credit box. So the syndication model that we're presenting now to everybody in the country changes everything. So consumers are still going to need money. They're going to want to get larger amounts because they don't want to necessarily buy a new house. They want to remodel their kitchen. So this way, every lender out there can is in a better position to give their customer what the customer wants, and yet they're not taking on all of that concentration risk themselves. Yeah. And then conversely, you know, well, I'll, I'm, I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, I think it's easy to see why, you know, this was something that resonated so well from the Finnovate stage, because there's the angle for the actual originating institution, right? All of a sudden, you're able to give your customers what they want when you maybe couldn't have done that before in a really, you know, simple way. You wanted 40K, I can get you 40K. 
for the other participating companies, it's a really, um, you know, really easy way to sort of just broaden your overall lending portfolio with people who you know are good credit risks. And it's almost just like, hey, here's a loan that's just dropped in your lap. Do you want to take this or not? Um, and obviously, the people that in the work that you're doing to make sure that these are all qualified borrowers, I think, goes a really long way towards. Uh, making sure that people obviously say, yeah, please, by all means, I would like to, you know, be able to take advantage of this a little bit. And so it, it, here's where that really game-changing side of it, I think, comes through. Now, one of the other pieces that we had talked about was there's kind of an angle for the other fintechs in the room as well, because obviously that's a big part of the Finnovate audience, both in person and on this podcast. What is kind of the the play for other fintech providers um, outside of the financial institutions who are participating either as originators or as participants? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and it's interesting, Greg, because all this, what you're asking actually occurred just a few days before Finnovate. You know, one of the big fintechs out there that's originating lots of loans, uh, Upstart's publicly traded. Everybody, everybody's aware of Upstart. And everybody knows just a few days before we had met in New York, the big crash came. Well, there's a lot of fintechs out there that they originate loans. You know, you've got Lightstream, you've got Upgrade, you know, you've got a lot of them. And what they do is they they originate loans, they fund those loans, and they get the money from MVB Bank or Sutton Bank or Cross River Bank. Or there's a lot of banks that are helping fintechs. So the fintechs originate the loans, and then they have to pay the, the funding banks back. And how they've been making their money, the fintechs, they'll originate the loan, They'll scrape off a point, two or three points off the top, and then they sell those loans downstream to the 9,000 banks and credit unions out there. However, because of the economy, the buyers are drying up. People that were buying those loans two months ago said, no, no mas. Um, So the fintechs, we've actually been approached by a couple of them. When they heard what our platform does, now if they're tied into the Quillo platform, they know that at the time of underwriting, the time at the time the app hits the system and goes through the underwriting process, it will be syndicated at the same time. So that instead of instead of funding a loan and then have, worrying about what's the interest rates going to do, can I sell this loan next week or next month? They don't have to worry about that anymore. It's actually sold, boom, at the same time of underwriting. And what makes it so interesting? Syndication's nothing new. Participation's nothing new. However syndicating an individual personal loan, that is different. That is new. That's never happened before. Yeah, no, it's certainly, again, it's something that when I first heard of it, I think I had to ask you to explain it a couple of times because I was like, wait a minute, this isn't something that, that happens. And, uh, you know, it is obviously something that happens now. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're approaching uh, the end of our time, but I have a couple more that, that I'd like to just get in before we run out of time. And I think the first one is, oh. you know, um, as you look at this, at some point, is there an upward limit here to the total amount of money that could exist in one of these loans? I mean, you know, this is sort of where I kind of naturally take things, given you know, infinite number of participants in the network. Could you at some point have a loan of you know hundreds of thousands of dollars? Could this be a mortgage at some point that then goes and kind of gets syndicated out in that way? Or at some point, is there kind of an upper limit to what you perceive you're able to do? Well, you, you must have must have heard our last week we met for our strategic planning session and today it's all unsecured personal loans up to sixty thousand dollars with 72 month terms okay q1 we will roll out the ability to syndicate car loans okay on the roadmap for later next year is is small business loans and then eventually 
anything that deals with Honda. So all the real estate loans and HELOCs and all that stuff, that's for the latter part of next year. But so, so your point is, as long as the borrower is credit worthy, the limit would be set by the borrower's ability to, to pay that money. Okay. Other than that, other than that, we're wide open. And, and that's where we're going as fast as we can go. Yeah, no, I have to imagine. So and one of the fun things about having this kind of new idea is that you do have a lot of, you know, open water to go and explore and try and figure yes. out, you know, what actually makes the most sense. What's that sweet spot going to be? But I think at this point, just kind of letting your imagination run wild, I'm sure is something that uh, you, you all are dedicating a lot of time to. And then last question that I have here. You know, I think this is, again, uh, it comes to this kind of blurriness over who a customer's kind of primary bank is. As more of us have, you know, different accounts, different money in different financial institutions, who is my bank, I think, becomes something which is tougher to to keep an eye on. Does this, at some point, kind of mean that, um, you know, all of the banks in the network effectively operate as one bank? Uh, or is there still some kind of safeguards around it so that you know, you keep that individual identity for these community credit unions and community uh, banks? That, Greg, my whole life and for 30 years has been trying to do everything I can with, with my other companies to help banks and credit unions compete with the big guys. So this is a key, key mm-hmm. thing to our whole process. Every borrower that's getting a Quillo loan is doing it at their own bank or credit union's website. That's where they're going. Now, they're, they're using their phone to do everything on their phone. When they get that loan, that borrower has no idea there's any other financial institutions involved. So as far as the borrower knows, everything is happening with their bank or their credit union. That's all they ever see. So to answer your question, no, we're not we're not trying to morph everybody into one bank. This we're trying to give every every bank and every credit union the ability to be and act like a giant bank and, and they're all helping each other because. You have so many, especially the smaller bank screens in these rural areas, it's really difficult for them to generate enough loan volume. Sure. This way they can participate. They can take little pieces of loans all over the country that fit their credit box. So it's it's really an ecosystem so that they all be helping each other, which is great because we need to keep we need to do everything we can to sustain our, our community banks and credit unions as a network around the country because people just don't have People really don't understand how important our network of financial institutions is to the local economy. So we, we got to help them keep thriving. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm a firm believer in the kind of bank local movement myself. I think it's a really noble goal. And I've seen certainly a lot of other markets that don't have the variety of financial institutions that we're fortunate to have here in the U.S. And I think it does give right. us something special. And so I think anything we can do to to help that community stay afloat is is really positive. Um, you know, I, I could talk to you all day. I think that is, is the uh, end of our time, though. So we do have to cut it off there. Um, but Don, thanks again for taking the time to chat with me. And congrats again on the Best of Show win. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it very much. And and, uh, everybody have a great, great, great day out there. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening. 